making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer. Thank you for taking your time to join us for the Sport of Kings here on Winning Ponies. Thanks for joining us. It's hard to believe. January in the books. Step or two closer to that first Saturday in May. Winning Ponies exotic predictions. Over $582,000 and growing. 2011 has ushered in the new stats era. For riders and trainers. And I'm telling you what, these stats are really cool. Just roll your mouse over the rider and or trainer. We'll give you all sorts of, all the numbers you've heard me talk about. This is really neat. It's all for the easy use. As well as the color-coded tier levels that are industry leading. Nothing has changed. Only more has been added. Winning Pony is doing very well thus far. Off to the races in the month of January. Handicapping has got a whole lot easier, and the information is a click of a mouse away. So stop gambling, start winning at www.winningponies.com. Check it out. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Tell you what, I find it really handy that I don't have to go to 10 different sources to find the stats that I love. Plus, you got your handy icons. It's color-coded. It's easy to use. You have your speed ratings. One-stop shop, I think that you're going to enjoy it. You'd be hard-pressed not to. What is happening for tonight? We're going to do a little recap. Recap of uh, the few stakes from last week. Talk a little biggins. Hopefully you were tied on for some locked and loaded winning pony specials. Give you a little interest story. Get you caught up on the DRF and NHC story. Uh, they had the finals in, at the Red Rock last week in Las Vegas. Really cool story from Collins Ghost. Try to get to that. Special guest this week has won nine titles at Meadowlands, 13 at Monmouth Park, and has eclipsed more than 4,000 wins. Mr. Jersey Joe Bravo will be in the house for the second segment. Looking forward to Joe Bravo. He's riding a golf stream. News from the world of racing and then final furlong handicapping. You got it. We got it locked and loaded here, and let's jump right into it. Last week's recap, it'll be Sunday Actually, the 30th of January, 2011. We're going to start with the Santa Monica Grade 1 Santa Anita. Value of the race, $250,000. Won seven panels. Winner is Switch. That is the same filly, now four-year-old filly, that run against the great Zenyatta. Once by three and a half lengths, Joel Rosario for John Sadler. 
Switch put in quite an effort here with the Santa Monica. I say go back and take a look at it. You can always uh, take a look at these at uh, different sites. Take a look at on Equibase if you want to go back and see the videos. That's a lot of times I go to different sites, and I love to read what everybody's putting out there. It's always good to educate thyself. The Forward Gal Stakes, grade 2 at Gulfstream Park, $200,000 up for grabs, seven panels again. Winner, Pomeroy's Pistol. Paco Lopez in the irons wins by three parts of a length. Very nice indeed. The Holy Bull, yep, when you start hearing that name, that means... The road to the Derby has begun a grade three at Gulfstream Park. $400,000 up for grabs going a mile. Winner dialed in. Impressive indeed. Julian Leperu for Nikki Zito wins by a length and a half. Three-year-old Colt by Mineshaft. And I'm telling you what, dialed in, ran against some really sweet runners in this. Now, we all keep our, our eyes and ears peeled for the, the marquee races. The Holy Bull at Gulfstream is one of those. Dialed in, hit only a maiden victory. One for one, this real cold by Mineshaft. One for one was a stark, out-of-the-clouds closer. This is a grade three race. Now, granted, it's still early on. You don't want to take a runner that's already run 18 to 20 times. Less is better about now. Dialed in, proved it. Actually took a hammering at the win. At one time, it was two to one, five to two, right in that that wheelhouse there, but Julian Peru actually when he got past the leaders, which was Sweet Ducky and Gourmet Dinner, Gourmet Dinner, I believe, has that was Sebastian Madrid, already has enough money to go into the Derby. I believe won at Delta Downs in the Delta Jackpot, and then, then ran in the cash call futurity in California and kind of got dusted a little bit out there, but I believe Gourmet Dinner has enough, enough actually cash earnings to get into the Derby already, but dialed in, is dialed in, and Jose Lascano for Nicky Zito. Let's see our man Zito. Hey, he looked good in the uh, winter circle, by the way. Looked like he trimmed down a few LBs, and uh, he's ready to roll. So that was happening last week as far as a recap. Our biggins, we'll start with Friday, January 28th, 87 total biggins, Delta Downs Race 8, Superfecta, 6,899.40. Not bad shooting by the winning pony gang. January 29th, 100 total biggins. That's good shooting. Charlestown, race number one, a Superfecta key, 4,785 even. Right behind that was Sam Houston, race three, a Superfecta, 4,627.40. And then we go into Sunday, January 30th, 77 total biggins. Gulfstream races two through five. Yep, that's a pick four, 6,674.60. Monday, January 31st, 33 total biggins. Louisiana Downs. Race number nine, a superfected key. Strap it on tight, 11,334 even. Tuesday, February 1, 24 total big in Sunland Park. Lights them up in race five, a superfecta, 3,754.40. Wednesday, February 2nd, 23 total big ins. Charlestown again, old Charlie Town. Race three, a superfecta box, 3,402.40. And then Thursday, February 3rd, Gulfstream Park. Race number nine, a superfecta, 3,900. 59.60. So that kind of gets you caught up to speed. And also, by the way, as the exotic predictions clicker, I called it 582 earlier today. I wrote it down. It is now $591,985. $591,985. Now, that's not bad because the racing day is not over. So that kind of makes it kind of fair, makes it kind of easy to go with.
as I as I even wrote it a little bit early on, that's that's how uh, that's how potent it actually is. You have to check it out yourself, and I would say do so. And talking about class acts, now this is per the Daily Racing for Mike Watchmaker. Classy exacta in the NHC. Now he's talking about the National Handicapping Championship. The Daily Racing Form of the NTRA can be proud of the one-two finishers in the 12th National Handicapping Contest, John Doe and Ron Geary. Ron Geary, who was near at the top of the leaderboard was from the outset, was thus in the pressure cooker every step of the way, showed grace and class under trying circumstances just after the tournament was over. Minutes after the last race, Geary was prematurely told he was the unofficial winner of the NHC. Moments later... As his many friends in the room offered congratulations, Gary was told to hold on. There is a photo. Only a second. And then a couple minutes later after that, Gary was pulled aside and told he had not won, but instead finished second. There's a huge, unquantifiable difference between finishing first and second in the NHC. Beyond the $350,000 difference in purse money, Gary had every right to be steamed at the communication snafu. Initially, Gary did appear pretty PO'd. But at the time of the NHC Awards Banquet, a couple hours later, he was back to his usual affable self. In fact, the scene the most important to Gary, the owner of Ellis Park, was acknowledging all his friends how much they meant to him. The one message he wanted to impart to yours truly was, please just say hello for me to all my friends out there. Of those that are certainly many, he had the opportunity to meet him. What a guy. What a true gentleman. And talk about a true gentleman, we got him on hold Mr. Jersey Joe Bravo's on hold. We're going to be jumping to him in our second break here. He is our special guest of the week. You're definitely going to want to stay tuned for that. Pressing on, as for Doyle, who was incredibly playing in his first handicapping tournament ever that offered prize money. He's qualified for the NHC online. And all you had to do to spend a minute with him is realize this is a man without an ounce of ego. He was quietly confided, and he says, I think that I earned this. It's a remark that it, with impact. Not self-aggrandizing. He was merely suggesting that it wasn't a fluke. He wasn't cocky. He wasn't, he wasn't you know, a braggadocio. He wasn't screaming and hollering, raising cane. He pegged the last winner of the last tournament race to nail Ron Geary. Now, I think, I think that, that is class on both sides. Now, I actually heard that Ron Geary was a little upset. Rightfully so. Ron is quite the handicap. He and his son, Mark. Now, I had the opportunity to sit with him at Keeneland. And we, we sat up in the inner sanctum room, and I have to tell you, they are just two gentlemen. Now, Mark's a great handicapper, and Ron, now we know, is, is, is a marked great handicapper. He's second. And it was a tough thing. It wasn't the money for the man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you that $350,000 is a lot, but I don't think it was really more, more so the money loss. Actually, I would have to say that uh, just – upon meeting him, that he was just a little dissatisfied with a premature. It was like putting up the official sign and then dragging it back down and then putting up someone else's number. And it said, I'd like to make one note about Doyle's seat assignment in the contest. The preferred seating assignments. Now, this is, I, I kind of thought was kind of neat. There, there weren't enough seats to accommodate all the 300 contestants, so they had to put him in the very, very back, up at the very, very top. And he was, he was on the second level. He was about as far away as possibly could be. But he didn't care. He really didn't care. He was happy to be there. 
actually last week and the weeks leading up to it, we, we discussed with a couple handicappers, Mr. David Turner and Brian Feldman, my good friend Robert Forbeck, all three went out there. They, and I believe Mr. David Turner, he was he and his beautiful wife, they, they actually scored in, uh, in the top 30, I would say. Mr. Brian Feldman, I believe, if I have it right, was in around the 50-ish range. If not better, Robert, I wasn't sure of his exact finish, but all three had a great time. It's put on by the by the greatest uh, greatest guys in the world, and they br- they they bring together the NHC and the DRF uh, contest out there for the excuse me the NTRA and the DRF contest. This is actually what makes racing go. If if we didn't have wagering out there, horses would be running for blue ribbons. And the riders wouldn't be too daggone happy, and Joe could probably speak to that as he rode at Monmouth Park, and he has tortured them for years. And the purses have just gotten sweeter and sweeter, and we hope and continue that they actually do. But that was kind of wrapping it up there, and uh, it seemed like it was a good time was had by all. The best part about it is as I followed along with every blog and every, there was not a complaint Everything was handled. Everything was handled professionally. I knew a lot of the people that are out there conducting the contest, and they drug in some of the best contest contest uh, managers out there, mainly from Keeneland. And there's a group in the NTRA that do a spectacular job. So what I'm trying to say is, it is now time to start. Actually, the first online contest is this Saturday. And then there's going to be one the following Saturday, NHC.com, so check it out. And I believe Winning Ponies is going to get in the game. That you can count on. Because we've got real-time data, and it's only a matter of time before you're going to be able to stop at Winning Ponies. Jump online, play in the contest, and win your way to Vegas. Well, it is time to head on to our first break. And when we return, we're going to be talking with this week's special guest, Mr. Jersey Joe Bravo. And you're only going to get it if you stay tuned here on Winning Ponies. Well, I walk into the room, passing out hundred dollar bills, and it kills, and it thrills like a Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. 
We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard Hitting Radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. And thank you for taking your time to tune in with us, be with us, and to check out Winning Ponies because without you, there'd be no us, and we're eternally grateful for that. And this is our second segment. Each and every week we have on our special guest. This week is no different. Winning Ponies is honored and pleased to bring on Jersey Joe Bravo. Joe, are you there? Hey, man. Thanks a lot. Nice to talk to you this evening. And you as well, sir. You had a busy day at Gulfstream. Uh, for our listeners out there, your first time, how do we do at Gulfstream today? Uh, today was not a bad day at all. Every day is a good day as long as you walk out of the jock room. But stats-wise, we end up uh, riding five races, uh, win one for Nick Zito. It's always nice to be part of his team. Mm-hmm. Uh, got beat ahead, run second on a horse of Tim Hills, run third on a first-time starter, Amy Tarant, that I was really proud Proud to see her run so good for first time out. And the other two, um, um, hopefully they come back next time and better. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, your optimism, it kind of bleeds through the phone. I've watched you, uh, you know, I, before I even jump into uh, a little bit about you, I've watched you ride in Monmouth Park, and, I, and I've actually read everything about you. And, yes, you're younger than I am, so I, I can say that it, it wasn't been a long time I've been watching, but I will tell you what, you, you have just actually torn apart Jersey. If Tony Soprano's up there, he's probably looking for you. <laughs> well, he's got my number. It's all good. He can come look at me anytime he wants. I'm just enjoying my job out there every day, in and out. That's all. It shows, and, you know, the, the degree of success, the old saying, the harder I work, the luckier I get, you know, it, it applies to so many good people in the game. And, and in fact, uh, you know, it, it the first time that I chatted with you, I, I knew that it was going to be a wonderful evening with you. And, once again, thanks so much for taking your time after a busy day. Joe, uh, first time on with us, uh, and, you know, you're taking your time, and I really appreciate it. You've been the, the monster of the Meadowlands in Monmouth Park and, and in Jersey, and, and I refer to you as Jersey Joe. I hope that doesn't uh, make you mad in any way, shape, or form. How did you find your way into racing family connections? Yeah, uh, my grandfather was a jockey. Uh, he rode around Cuba, and he came to the States, and then my father kind of took over, and he kind of ate his way out of a job for thoroughbred riding. So uh, <laughs> he moved to Texas and started riding quarter horses, and that's really where I got a lot of my schooling. Uh, he moved there when I was like 10 years old, and... We lived in Texas from 10 to 16, and I read a lot of match races and everything before I was uh, official age of 16 years old uh, to come ride thoroughbreds. So uh, I had good experience before I ever came and sat on a thoroughbred racehorse. 
with dad and grandpa, you know, two two of the greatest men in a, in a man's life actually passing on the torch, which I think is great. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did I read now? What, your grandfather's name was it Bartolo? Uh, Bartolo, yes, Bartolo. Bartolo. And uh, and I knew I'd botched that, and I apologize. But did I read correctly that he was actually working horses out into his later seventies? Yeah, is that wild or what? I mean, old timer <laughs> people I see, you know, they told me all the stories. I mean, I was just a kid, and yeah, uh, he was in the seventies getting on horses. Uh, still, he was well, a good old man. I'd have to say that I hope the longevity runs. I know that you, that's not going to be a part of your your grandpa to be in your seventies on horseback, but I mean, what shape he must have kept himself in was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty wild to hear. I mean, you look at the track and you see some old-timers, but to be at that age and do it, uh, he I guess if he ever stopped, he probably wouldn't have lived as long. But uh, he enjoyed what he did, and he didn't work hard at it, but he enjoyed what he did, and he, it, it, that's what prolonged it, I guess. Did Grandpa ever uh, give you any words of wisdom about uh, the racetrack life? Tons. Every day you learn something new, no matter how old you are, and it is very true. It holds true with any profession, and you had two good men uh, passing on the torch, and, and we're very grateful to see you still plying your trade and, and doing a tag-on uh, great job, and it's always exciting to see uh, Jersey Joe in the saddle. Growing up around the Mama circuit, uh, you know, and I know it's it, I've never been there, but I've read and I've seen many, many wonderful, uh, beautiful, beautiful facility. You, you became really quite an ocean expert with the tides and how the track would play with the, the with the uh, with the currents of the tides. Wow, you listened to all the articles. Very impressed there, Miss Ed. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm a big believer. Just to, if you ever been to Mama Park? It really, the backside backs up to one of the waterways that lead out to the ocean there. And you could even look at the tide, the track, like during the day, and you could see of it a really a pale color during midday. But as it goes later on in the afternoons, like, you'll see a darker shade starting to turn. The track kind of turns into a darker shade. All oh, this is the tides coming in. And you know, with the moisture in the water, it kind of gets a little faster. Gulfstream Park was a lot like that until Frank's trying to come in there and built it up so much off the ground. Uh, to get better drainage, uh, and it is a better track, but Gulfstream was like that a lot back in the day. You know, a, a few a few people have told me about that, but, you know, when I read that first about Monmouth Park, I said, boy, what, I mean, what an astute observation to pick that up and, and to know how the track's going to be playing about midway through the day, especially when you start seeing that almost clay-like hue to it, and it's uh, almost a reddish in nature where early in the day it may have looked a little cuppier brown and and, and and I'm just assuming that uh, you know if, if I'm getting the color the color scheme right, but you know you picked up on it, and and I really think that that is just really neat, and especially for our listeners out there who are fans and betters, that they can actually be on the alert for uh, New Jersey racing. And Joe, we, we see you in Jersey, and we see you at Gulfstream Park. Where where else do you hang your tack during the year? I tell you, I love it. It's a I got pretty good routine of going six months in Jersey, six months in Florida. Uh, really kind of shut down because I take a little vacation in between the two, but uh, it's a perfect scenario. Uh, there was many years I spent it up in New York, and New York racing is great and everything, but you know what fixed my mind about New York racing in the winter at least? The last winter I spent in New York, I sat in my house in New Jersey for seven days because of a darn snowstorm, what they're going through right now. That decided... I belong at Gulfstream Park. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's but beautiful. I'm be honest, one of my favorite racetracks to ride at through the whole year, 
human race course. How can you say anything negative how the Kentucky people really are fans of horse racing there? They really enjoy it. I love Keeneland. You know, when you when you come back and everybody still applauds to this day, as uh, luck would have it, and God has blessed me that I'm uh, about 75 miles north of Keeneland. I live very, very close to Turfway Park, and, and I make the trek down. Actually, I'm going down tomorrow to play in a contest at Keeneland, and it is a gorgeous facility. It's 15 days. Uh, I'd say it's heaven and earth twice a year in the fall and the spring. It's 15 days. I don't think there's anybody that could ever uh, besmirch Keeneland's name in any way, shape, or form. They, they put on a professional show. They, they, the only, uh, I guess, gambler standpoint, and maybe from a rider's as well, more so from a rider's, is they switched over to Polytrack. Did you ever see the difference of riding dirt and poly at Keeneland? Yeah, there is definitely a difference. And really us not adapting, it's the horse adapting. I mean, you can give mounts and all that, but to tell you the truth, if they like it, they like it, they're going to run over it. If not, not much anybody could do, and let's hopefully the horse gets back safe and sound to come fight another day. You know, Joe, I have a question about the polytrack. When when a rider is aboard, now you're able to close your mouth and you're inhaling some of the some of the polytrack, and hopefully it passes through, hoped up to God it passes through, but do you ever think that has any effect on yourself and or the horse of breathing in any type of fibers? Um, I don't know if I could really uh, say the truth. What can I do about it? That's, that's <laughs> true. There's no I mean, study saying it's bad for you. There's no study and it's good or bad. Uh, we're all going to have to just find out. This is one of those things that it's going to be we're talking about something that's not there. I mean, it's just what are we going to do about it? You're right. You know, that that was probably an unfair question. You know, that that's speculation on top of speculation. It, it's been safer. It's shown a, a great deal of uh, of curing a lot of the breakdowns, a lot of the ailments of the horses. I see that they, no, no matter where they run, if they're training on poly, they come back, If even once they hit to the dirt service, they seem like they come back a little tighter. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's so many different scenarios. There really is. It's the bottom line what horses can really handle it and don't handle it. Well, that's true. And, uh, and hopefully the day you're betting on them, they do handle it. <laughs> well, that, that's every punter's dream uh, for, for, the, for the main fact. But over the years, you've made many connections in the industry. It's, it's a great industry at that. I don't think I've ever met a bad person or met a bad person, I should say. Who was your most influential in uh, Joe Bravo's career? Probably my father, grandfather, really. They've really gave me the uh, the leg up to, into the horse racing game. Um, for as riders-wise coming up, I mean, there's thousands of great riders to be able to watch. I mean, when I was coming up, Pat Day and Jerry Bailey, and today at Days, I mean, you look and you got Mike Smith that is just going out there and doing stuff that is spectacular on the back of a horse. Uh, I guess I could sit here and talk good about everybody out there. <laughs> I mean, everybody has that special trait that makes them win races. You seem extremely optimistic. Is would you attribute that part to your or grading part to your success? Well, you know, I, it's, let's put it out there. You better be happy because you go out there and you're going to lose eighty percent of the time on a good year. Uh, you're going to have a lot more sad days than happy days. So if you don't enjoy this game now, you better get out early because there's going to be a lot of sad days ahead of you. 
fair enough. Even 20% uh, uh, is, is a great number to achieve, but then you're losing 80%, and yet 20% is, is a great pinnacle number. That, that's usually something that I mark as, wow, somebody's really doing yeoman's task here. You know, you, you ride with the likes of now, and I know I'm going to forget many people here just off the top of my head, Johnny Velasquez, Edgar Prado, Javier Castellano, Jose Lescano, Julian Le Peru, Eddie Castro, Rajiv Marat, Elvis Trujillo, Bruce Mahan, Rafael Bejarano, just to name the few of the many greats at Gulfstream this time of year. This has to be one of the toughest colonies in the country. It's great, isn't it? I mean, when oh, you're is. going out there competing, it's almost like when you're shooting pool. You kind of like work up to your competition. And you know what? We've got one of the greatest riding colonies here at Gulfstream Park that I've rode with, and I've been riding 23 years. It's pretty special to go in that jock room every day and compete. And that's a really, everybody say, what's your most special day of racing and this and that? You know what, any day I'm able to go in that jock room, spend time with my second family, and go out there and compete against them, that's all I ask out of life. Uh, it's, what more could you ask for uh, other than to be uh, to be healthy? And uh, every every picture I see of you, you always have a big ear to ear smile. And and I know sometimes the camera can catch you when you're not looking. So either you're smiling all the time, and or you know they they haven't caught you. But it's ear to ear smile, and and you look happy applying your trade. You know you talked about Gulfstream, and a lot of our listeners they are players, and you know when, and they are fans of the game. Shippers coming in. In, into into Gulfstream Park, where you're where you're riding right now, are there other ovals that uh, that actually prep them up nicely for their Gulfstream ship or, or training facilities? I tell you, truth, Calder Racecourse. So these horses at Calder might not have the bloodlines as the northern horses, but I'll tell you one thing: they come off that course, and it's a really a beachy, sandy course. Those horses are fit, and you know what? They run way past their potential uh, coming off that sandy course. But I'd say let's still underestimate these palm me- uh, meadow horses. That's a great, great uh, Frank Stronic really did a great job building that facility up there. Uh, it's it's just horses really respond off of it. You know, I I was often often wondering, you know, from a rider's perspective, you know, basically we're on the lookout. And, and and for a fan, we're always on the lookout. And with the turf course, actually it was so large, didn't they divide it and there are two turf courses equally now? Yes, yes. Uh, there's an inner course and an outer course, and they they both move the rail for both courses, uh, just depending on how much use it gets. And it it looks like it's it's well kept, uh, watered, manicured, and uh, it, you you don't see that. I, I assume it's a sand based course. I, I assume it doesn't look like you're seeing much of a kick up. No, it really, really is a great course, friends. Frank Stronic redid this track. He redid both turf courses and the main course itself, and uh, I guess. Um, when you have unlimited money, you could do it as best <laughs> possible, and you really did. <laughs> well, there's people that have plenty of unlimited funds, and yet they uh, they, they don't step on the gas to the fullest. But uh, Mr. Stronic has really done a remarkable job. Joe, some of your big mouths, talking about big jobs here, came uh, on board. I'm, I'm going to try to get a couple down here. Formal Gold, uh, Henny Hughes, Exchanger, uh, Notional. Are there any other standouts that I may have missed that really that uh, kind of uh, you know marked Joe Bravo's career? I'm going to be honest, every one of those horses that I've sat on their back and able to get a winner out of them, they're the ones that launched your career. And uh, let's put it like this, good horses make you look good, bad horses make you look bad. <laughs> and that's how true it is. You're only as good as your last mount, aren't you? 
Yeah, it really is. I mean, but I've been blessed to really sit on some really special horses. Uh, Henny Hughes was a great sprinter. Patrick Van Cohen brought down a lot of horses. You know, it was really funny. I had asked. I was riding a lot of horses. Patrick Van Cohen, he brought in over summer at Monmouth Park, and I could never figure out, Patrick, you got these million-dollar horses. Why wouldn't you run them in New York? And this was going back four or five years ago. Uh, I said, why would you bring them back to Monmouth Park while the purse is 10000 15000 a little bit less than New York racing? Show. My owners are from Europe, Mammoth Park, simulcasts over to Europe and France. And he goes, New York doesn't. I mean, it just proves the point. If you could get that signal out to everybody, it just generates so much more for horse racing. Uh, I, I wish they just would quit fighting about signals and let's merge together. And all you're going to do is, uh, you know, if you work together, you're going to get more out of it. You're, you're so right. Uh, at a time when we should be more uh, uh, holding hands and, and actually facing facing this dilemma of you know of a downward trend, we should be holding hands and working as a team versus uh, competing against each other. Because I once heard, if you don't hang together, you'll hang separately. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and over pennies, while they just don't realize how much really people enjoy horse racing. What hmm. can you go out during a day and have a couple beers and lunch and watch an activity you can gamble on until the whole afternoon? I think it's a great, great thing. They just need to promote it a little better. Oh, I, I agree. And with this past year, I, I like to call it the Mammoth Park experiment. What were your feelings? I mean, as 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 a man of the game, and 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 not only as a rider competing for for bigger and better purses, but what were your feelings on you know uh, basically less is more. You know, there were fewer days, and and the purses were better. Come on, let's let's look at it. Did you see any negative numbers? The handle was up. The on-track people was up. I mean, numbers were up. I mean, it it was just all positive. Uh, I was really shocked that, I mean, if you go look in Europe, you look in Japan, they only race weekends. I mean, and the purses are used and people come out. In Japan, you get 100,000 people come to the races. I'm not saying you're going to get 100,000 people to any American racetrack just because we have so much sporting events out there. But uh, if you make it more, um, I don't know. It works. Let's just put it like that. Mouth Park oh, works. Everything was positive. Everyone is now following. So not everyone, but a great number of tracks are following suit, uh, and, and, and they're actually reformulating their dates. Maybe uh, less is more where you can take care of your horsemen on track, uh, especially the smaller ovals. You know, instead of racing 129 days, you know, they're going to race uh, 100. They're going to race 89. But yet it, it circulates back in the purse structure, so they're going to race for more money, and it's going to be bigger fields, better handle. Everybody's a winner that, that I'm seeing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, that's a, the numbers are proven facts. I mean, we'll see what tomorrow brings with these new racinos and everything out there. I mean, I'm riding here at Gulfstream Park, and if you ever come to Gulfstream Park, you've got to fall in love. You've got some great restaurants, great shops. they got boutiques. Uh, you go over there and get a massage and come back and make it for the fifth race. <laughs> sounds like uh, it sounds like definitely my bucket list track to make. I, I've got a few, and uh, actually Saratoga is one, and uh, Gulfstream is the other uh, that, that are still on my bucket list. And Joe, as, as an industry, have have we seen a concentrated effort on rider safety, or are we just giving lip service? Oh, I'm gonna be honest. I mean, they really they've stepped up the game a lot for rider safety, and it's great to see. I mean, it's never going to be safe. I mean, we're competing at 40 miles an hour on average uh, on the back of a horse. Um, but you know what? Uh, I think they're doing everything they possibly can to live and learn and try to make it better. 
Well, it's like uh, football as an analogy to another sport. Uh, it's a contact game, and yours is yours is a game. It's very fast, and you know you're aboard a thoroughbred animal who who doesn't speak. And, uh, you know, you, you don't know if something uh, is going to happen. And, you know, we just keep our fingers crossed and we, we prepare for the best and, and we hope for the best at all times. And, and you know what, it's still the greatest, uh, the greatest spectator sport in my heart uh, out there. It, it's never going to go away. Joe, I always end up with uh, the fast five final questions. And these are the final five questions of the night that I turn you loose and thank you so much. And this is just like Jeopardy without the money, okay? So uh, don't be expecting the million-dollar check here. But there are five questions, and it's usually yes, no, or a short answer, and nothing can ever be wrong. Are you ready, sir? Sounds great. Shoot away. All right, question one. Best place for a night out, the Jersey Shore or the Miami area? Wow, both places are so special in a way. I mean, you got Miami Gulfstream Park, that South Beach is 15 minutes away, and You'll find a lot of live li- <laughs> nightlife there. <laughs> uh, in Jersey Shore, everybody's watched the Jersey Shore TV show. Trust yep. me, it's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness it's not. <laughs> walk into some of the finest restaurants in shorts and T-shirt and have sitting next to you don't know who you're going to be next to. It, it, it's, it's home to me. So we're going to say it's equal, one and one A, There's, it's a tie. Yeah, I really couldn't separate them both. They're both special and they're both two different ways. It'd be like picking a favorite child. Okay, yep. question number two. If you weren't like writing, what would you favorite be? check. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Solomon-like approach, I believe. If you weren't writing, what would you be doing in life? Probably washing cars, working at McDonald's, uh, <laughs> being a janitorial service someplace. Uh, basketball, I tried, but, man, they raised that rim so high. <laughs> but you're pretty quick, I'm sure. You'd be a, you'd be a great point guard. <laughs> okay, question three: Can riders play a role in interactive experience with fans, especially our new fans? You know, getting out there, like at Arlington when they do the goggle uh, toss to the crowd. Do you think riders can play a role in uh, helping uh, the fan interactive experience? Yes, but let me ask you a question. You as a gambler. Yes. You want goggles from a jocker, you want to know who the winner of the next race is going to be. You can <laughs> atmosphere. I think if we keep it professional and you keep it out there and go out there and give his best honest ride you possibly can uh, and leave the cartoon stuff to the kids. And we all, the, all of us jockeys love the children. You know, it comes down to it, and the adults are really gambling on the sport. They want good, fair racing. I think that that, that is, you, you've, you've hit it right down the middle. And correct me if I'm wrong before we go to uh, question number four. When you leave racing, I think you're going to want to stay in racing in a different venture. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. You know what I would love to be into? Some type of promotional team for horse racing. I would love, you know how you walk into a casino and they have a casino host team? Mm-hmm. I really don't see much of that going on at any racetrack. They need to get people to come out there and, uh, bring people to horse racing that really don't know about the horses and someone to kind of like show them by hand and, you know, and give them a little interactive what goes on to get to the winner's circle. Joe, you have my vote. I, I think you'd be excellent, and I think you'd be a great emissary for the industry. And uh, let's get you keeping in the saddle for as long as we can. And when uh, when you decide, then uh, we'll be looking for you with a smiling face and, uh, and a nice tie, looking uh, looking sharp at the uh, at the front gate. Question four: If you could ride any horse in history, who would it be? Yo, Big Z is a freak, isn't she? Come on, who doesn't love Zenyatta? <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. Zenyatta. 
I mean, she, she's just a special horse, and Mike Smith has done a tremendous job with her. I mean, they want to say because she got beat in the Breeders' Cup, this and that, but she got beat one start out of her. I mean, come on. She's incredible. Oh, she put it right on the line. I was right there, and... Oh, what a night. Uh, well, it was uh, the night uh, Twilight Sky. Right in the background, it, you could even see the, the, uh, the evening sky colors were actually her silks. It was, it was great. I thought Mike, uh, Mike was going to get up, but uh, not, nothing away from Gomez and Blame. They, it, was, it was everything that it was built out to be. Oh, you know, Blame, I'm not taking no disrespect to Blame. Blame and Garrett Gomez deserve everything they did. They got to the winner's circle first that day. But, uh, I mean, how you, she just missed history by a head is that amazing a head. Oh, it was. <laughs> there was no way i was going to miss that i, I live i live right around 100 miles away from churchill i i said uh, it's going to have to hail a volcano and before i would miss that but uh history being made especially with the greats and yada but i i do agree uh that would be quite the mount final question joe then i turn you loose uh, for you to have the evening to yourself is there a race out there for you as a rider that you have on your bucket list that you want to take down? Uh, I'm going to be honest. Every Jackie's dream is to win Kentucky Derby, the Dubai World Cup. I'm going to be honest. As long as I keep doing this, I, I had a lot of injuries that looked like could have been ending on my career. And while I was sitting on the sidelines, I didn't really think about trying to win the Kentucky Derby or Dubai World Cup. I was just thinking about getting out there and competing and doing something that I really love, and I think I was born to do. <laughs> Great answer. It's perfect. Joe, on behalf of Winning Ponies, we'd like to thank you for taking your time to be with us this evening, and best wishes to you on and off the track, and best of luck to you, my friend. Thank you. Anytime I can help somebody who loves horse racing as much as I do, you call me up anytime. Thank you a lot, Joe. Best of luck to you. Be safe. Have a great night. Mr. Jersey Joe Bravo joined us. Great man in the saddle and a great man. I think he's going to be a great emissary for racing. I think he's right. I think we need some pretty sharp fellas out there uh, maybe showing people what's going on racing. Only really simple tracks would miss that boat. Well, it is time to head out to a break, and when we return, we're going to be talking some news in the wide, wide world of racing and some final furlong handicapping here on Winning Pony. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. 
The Sports Mavericks show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award Program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouillet and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. Thanks for being with us this evening. Hope you got Jersey Joe Bravo. Nice guy. And uh, very articulate. I think he will be an excellent emissary for the game. I can see him holding a post down for the NTRA and or Naira or many other racing entities. Uh, as Joe uh, breaking it down and making things happen, uh, he actually recognizes the importance of, uh, of promoting our sport in a positive light, and, and having him on was, uh, was a pleasure. So hope you caught that. If not, you can always grab it on podcast and Jersey Joe Bravo. What a guy said he'd join us anytime, and uh, trust you me, we'll dial him up, and uh, maybe when uh, he takes down another grade one, we'll, we'll check in with him. All right, time for a little bit of news from around the world of racing. I like to read uh, different blogs, stories, and all sorts of jazz, and, and I like to bring it up to you because I know you don't have time to actually look through everything, and guess what? I do, and I've got the time here, and you know, one of my favorites is Collins Ghost, Thoroughbred Racing History. It says, betting the favorite in 1885, it's a well-known fact that horse player circles that approximately 30% of the horses who go off as betting favorites win their respective races. This is a stat that has remained unchanged since at least the 1960s. In 68, Tom Ainsley wrote a book, The Seminole Ainsley's Handicapping Guide, Complete Handicapping to Thoroughbred Racing, and he says, as all experts know, in a representatively large sample of races, one of every three will be won by the betting favorite, the horse on which the most money was bet. Okay, amazing to think with all the technology, technology and statistics made available in recent years, the percentage of winning favorites has remained around 30%. That's incredible. And if we go back over 100 years ago when playing the races for the vast majority of gamblers was nothing more than a guessing game, it would be assumed that the chaos ensued. Without readily accessible PPs, gamblers had little fact-based information to assist them in placing their wagers. And because of this, one would think less winning favorites and higher payouts to the Sharpies than Sky Scoop, right? Maybe not. In a little-known text in the Library of Congress called Points, 
1885, the author, identified as the old campaigner, presented a little something different. Over 43% of the betting favorites in the mutual pools won the races. Now, this is a time that we have every single thing at our disposal, especially like winning ponies. You get all the stats. You've got color-coded tiers. We've got information galore. And back then, you didn't. And we thought we were doing good with 30%. Back, way back, 100 years ago, 43% were taking it to the winner's circle. I think it's pretty incredible. I found that kind of nifty and neat. That was Collins' ghost. Always check out his blog. It's really historically interesting. Jockey Abarcoa, uh-oh, jailed in a battery case. Abarcoa, top jockey in South Florida, was jailed Monday on a domestic battery charge after his wife told Police co punched her in the face. He's 39 years young, and sounds like uh, he's going to be getting in the ring with any woman that will have him in there. And uh, he told police that they just kind of got at it a little bit. They were at a, they were at a, a club. They were partying down. Rebecca Co gets home, locks herself in the bathroom. Abar breaks in, yells at his wife, and gives her a little shot to the cheek. Real nice, Abar. He's, uh, he's on the hot seat. And uh, he's doing quite well down there, but it seems like he needs to get his emotions in check. So uh, just wanted to kind of throw that out at you. Speaking of someone that I really like, you're Rosie Napravnik. Now, if, you, if you're watching any of the, any of the fairgrounds races, you're going to see Rosie Napravnik, leading rider at fairgrounds, has received a seven-day suspension said to begin Sunday, February, February 6th. Man, I can't hardly believe it's February. And lasts through Saturday, February 12th. In the fifth race on January 29th, the Pravnik rode David Cody's feel and blue to a second-place finish under the wire, but was subsequently DQ'd and placed fourth for interfering with Daniel Bell's Kissy Coco, ridden by Kerwin Boo Clark, trained by Mark Gedry. Kissy Coco was moved up to third in the adjusted finish. She's only 22 years of age, a native of Morristown, New Jersey. Sure, Jersey Joe knows exactly where that's at. Leading rider of Delaware Park last summer. I cannot believe it. Wow, she's just she's just a babe in the woods, and she's doing incredible. Rosie, I love to play her, and she is really just doing tremendous. Here's a here's a guy that I've been following for quite some time. I know you have as well, Jamie Ness. Ness, and this is according to the Daily Racing Forum. Doug McCoy, Jamie Ness winning with about everything he sends out at Tampa Bay. It's no surprise to see Jamie Ness winning races, but last week his runners were on fire. In a five-day span beginning January 26th, horses from the Ness Barn won nine races from 14 starts for a staggering 64% hit rate. That is just sheer incredible numbers there. In the fifth race, Ness sent out glazed wings and a $10,000 claim your sprinter. And, uh, and he claimed the Philly for eight grand and blew past the leaders in the stretch. I like playing Jamie Ness on the claim. And, I mean, I, I don't know where you're going to really find that out at, only through uh, trial and error, but I know one place you can look it up is on winning ponies. You can actually take a look at how a trainer and a rider play together first off the claim, actually brings it out there to you, right there at the end of your fingers. Next to the color-coded tiers, you're going to see a lot of stat information. Here's another goodie. NTRA blog, Claire Novak does an incredible job. She's talking about her Derby Top 10. Claire, she's, uh, she's turned her love for, uh, love for the game into doing quite well, and she does a lot of freelance work and just does a spectacular job. Here's her Top 10. 
and Claire does her homework. Uncle Mo next start, Tampa Bay Derby on March 12th. Number two is Honor and Serve, and it looks like the next start's probably going to be the Fountain Youth on February 26th. Number three is Tapazar. Next start's going to be in the Robert B. Lewis on February 12th. Number four, Boys at Toscanova. Next start, Florida Derby, April 3rd. Dialed in. Uh, who broke his and made an impressive three-year-old contender. Now, next start, unknown potential Florida Derby, April 3rd. I think dialed in looks dialed right at uh, Gulfstream. Don't take her anywhere, Nick. I I think that uh, keep Lay Peru in the irons, and uh, Nick Zito is going to be really tough with dialed in. The sixth, Rogue Romance. Next start, the Risen Star Stakes at Fairgrounds, February 19th. Stay thirsty, as they say. Stay thirsty, my friends. Next start, the Gotham Stakes. March 5th is Son of Bernardini. And then we got uh, Marchin and Unknown, potentially the Louisiana Derby for Marchin, uh, March 26th. The Factor. Next start, possibly the Southwest Stakes at, at uh, Oakland Park on February 21st. Brethren is the rounds out the field. Next start, possibly the Sam F. Davis, February 12th. And that would be at Tampa Bay Downs, which I absolutely, absolutely love. Love Tampa Bay Downs. Can't get enough of it. And I, I'll, I'll round out the, uh, the news this week here. A dozen playable betting angles. And I got this from wireplayers.com. It says we're betting on horse racing. Love the blogs. A lot of people really kind of zeroing in on it. One, he loves second or third start off a layoff. I've always loved three off a layoff for me. Two, he says, look at the workouts, the workouts in distance and time. Three, changes in form, where a horse is actually going from a different service, six furlongs to a mile, equipments, blinkers, shoes. Pay attention to all the little nuances there. Horses for the course. It's always been one of my likings, but uh, I concur greatly there. If they like Kentucky or they like Florida, don't mess with it. Long-distance shippers bringing the jock, and you'll see this a lot in Florida this time of year, or Laurel or Philly Park, wherever they're at. Uh, it's always nice. First-time Lasix. Uh, noticeably, uh, I like second-time Lasix, but uh, first-time Lasix, uh, you see the big L there. You see a remote improvement there, uh, and you can always attribute it to the big L you see there. Equipment change, adding blinkers, shoes. That's always very useful. Jockey switches off of a winner. I was talking to a friend of mine, and I was telling him about that. He cashed a ticket on it. Conditional trainer stats, and you can get that from winning ponies there. It's always nice. No dirt to turf, turf to dirt. First-time sprinter, sprint to a route, off the claim. Very impressive. Steady improvement. You see horses getting a little bit better, and they're not getting smoked. So, actually, I kind of caught that on wireplayers.com, and I thought that was really nifty out. We're going to try to wind it up here. We're going to talk some uh, some fast furlong handicapping, final furlong handicapping here. And we are going to start at, and that's going to be uh, at the, that's going to be at Aqueduct, and that's going to be the eighth race, the World Away. Eighth race at Aqueduct, the World Away. I, I like the three, rescind the trade. Alan Garcia for Richard Violet, two for two in the money. And this is a fast closing cold. I mean, just out of the clouds by put it back. Richard Violet's winning 33% of the time. Alan Garcia, 26% of the time. And I think rescind the trade if there's any pace at all in the eighth 
at Aqueduct in the Whirl Away. Uh, rescind the trade just nails him big time. Gulfstream Park, the seventh race on Saturday. That is the Swanee River. It is a grade three. Look no farther than the rail with the one. Never retreat. Chris Block, I love when he actually trains for the turf. He's an 18% turf winning trainer. This is second start from coming from Woodbine. I saw this runner uh, win at Kentucky Downs, went to Woodbine and ran second by a nose. Ran in the Marsh was River, a grade three, and a fast closer drawing the rail with Carlos Marquez in the irons. And, and I, I like never retreat in this race here. And, and I think you're probably going to get, I would say, more than fairly seven to two, may, maybe four to one, if, you know, if you're lucky, because I think they're just going to actually dismiss and, uh, you know, maybe overlook and possibly think maybe the rail might, might not be the place to be, but never retreat's actually going to be for me. And then the ninth race, the Gulfstream Park Turf. Handicap is a grade one at Gulfstream, a mile and an eighth in the ninth race there. In here, I like the eight, and that is Battle of Hastings. Uh, you're not going to get a real big price here. You're going to get five to two. I think it's going to get hammered at the windows. Julian Lepru and Greg Fox teaming up. Here's what I like. The damn stats here, she was a stakes winner. She's had seven turf winners. She's dropped 11 starters. Ten of those are winners, two of which are stakes winners. Battle of Hastings gives them all the battle that they want. And then rounding out the card at Gulfstream Park is race number 10, the grade one Don Handicap going a mile in an eighth here. And in this race, I, I go back to a horse that I loved all last year. That is the six fly down, Julian Lepru for Nick Zito. They did very well last year, one for one at Gulfstream Park. And uh, that was on February 21st of uh, last year in an allowance race with Jose Lescano aboard. Lepru does very well. Uh, Zito does well with layoff runners and shippers and graded stakes. These guys team up well together. If you saw, uh, if, if you saw last week when uh, dialed in, actually uh, did his bidding. This four-year-old colt by Mineshaft, which was actually a Mineshaft colt that won last week, no relation. But I see Fly Down winning, and I see you probably getting right around two to one. So that was your final furlong handicapping here from winning ponies here and we talked about the world away the swanee river the gulfstream turf and the don grade one well time flies when you're talking about thoroughbred racing and this week was no different winning ponies would like to thank our special guest jersey joe bravo and you for taking time to tune in so be sure to tune in next week where we're going to have on jockey shane sellers and indiana racing official william troilo so until next week may your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck and good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.